Today, we are starting a new series on the fruit of the Spirit, and that's amazing. The fruit of the Spirit is so, so good. We don't talk about it. Sometimes we think that's just something for kids, you know, because there's a song about the fruit of the Spirit, and, you know, and, and it teaches it very, in a very fun way. But, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is for us to learn uh, what is the result of walking in the Spirit. And so if you go uh, to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 with me, we're going to read, I'm going to read you out of the Amplified Version because I, I like it a little bit of how, how it says it here. But, um, you know, one thing of uh, 2023 is I want to be a better disciple. I want to be a better disciple. See, Jesus left three commandments. Um, mainly, he said this. He said, uh, love, your, love God with all your heart, okay? Love your neighbor as yourself. And then before he ascended into heaven, he said, go into all the nations and make what? disciples. In order to make disciples, you have to be one. The minute you stop being a disciple, you can no longer be a good discipler. Yeah? Jesus had disciples, but he was also a really good disciple of his father. He was connected to his father all the time, right? And so in 2023, I want to be a better disciple of Jesus, and I want to be better discipling others. And so we want to improve in these areas, and, and we want to ask ourselves, you know, am I getting discipled? Now, let me tell you, on Sunday mornings, you're getting discipled. When you go to small groups, you're getting discipled. And when you're connecting with other people, and when you're sharing your testimony, and you're sharing the things that God is speaking to you, you're making disciples. It is a lot simpler and a lot easier, and I like to remind everybody about this this year, because, uh, at the beginning of every year, because we don't want to go a whole year just working on ourselves and not consciously thinking, saying, Lord, Lord, who do you want me to pour into? Who do you want me to? Because you don't have to go to Bible school. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to arrive in order to disciple others. You just have to be growing yourself. You just have to continue growing. And then from what you grow, what you receive, then you freely give. Amen. And so this year, let's be better disciples. You know, sometimes we have great leaders, but we're not that great of disciples. You know how Jesus... Did it? He said, follow me. And they were good disciples because they followed him. But a lot of times, you know, we follow a little bit sometimes or when it's convenient. But see, back then, when Jesus was like, follow me, they couldn't be like, oh, I'll catch up with you. I'll call you. You know, there's none of that. I'll just follow you on social media. No. You had to leave your ways and follow his ways. And that's what we've been called to do, the same thing, is we have to leave our ways and follow his ways. And that's how we're good followers of Jesus. It's not that hard. You call yourself a Christian, but you're not following Jesus because the places you're going to, he wouldn't go. <laughs> saying, you know, where are you going? <laughs> All right, so... Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, But the fruit, singular, fruit, not fruits, okay? It's just one fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, and this refers to the work which His presence within accomplishes, is love, joy, patience, peace, patience, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, which refers to meekness and humility, self-control. It says, against such things, there's no law that could bring a charge. Okay, and so we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And, and so 
It's not like you get this fruit and you don't have that fruit. No, no, no. The characteristics of walking in the Spirit produces all these things. But it's one fruit. Okay? It produces one kind of fruit, and it's all of this. And so the first one is love. And so we're going to talk about love. Now, love could be a series on its own. We could talk about love for 12 weeks. We're not going to. Okay? There's an amazing book out there called Keep Your Love On. Very practical things. I encourage you to read that if you haven't or listen to the audiobook. Great, great tools on how to love people, how to set healthy boundaries, how to, how to do all that stuff because we want to keep our love on even towards our enemies, you know? Like Jesus said, love your enemies. And that's a tough one because kind of don't want to. So he's saying you're so loved, so blessed, and so forgiven, you don't get to have enemies. So love them. That's pretty amazing. You know, I was talking about this yesterday. Um, it doesn't take two to have an enemy. It only takes one. There's people driving on the road whom you are their number one enemy, and you don't know about it. So it takes two. So if somebody thinks you're their enemy, you don't have to reciprocate, you know? You don't have to be like, okay, I guess we're enemies. No, you love them. You bless them. God takes care of the rest of it. See, we get in a mess when we start making it our own vengeance and our own, you know, we want our own justice and stuff like that. And so, so anyways, um, so the very first one that we're going to talk about today is love, okay? This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit and what He accomplishes in and through us, okay? And it's love. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 1. So if you want to follow with your Bible or follow on the screen, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 1. It says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Mm. That's pretty impressive. If you could speak all the languages in the world, I'm sorry, but... That's like really, really good. But it says if you have no love, like you're just annoying. <laughs> I mean, imagine a noisy gong. How many of you came for the packing party? You remember the gong here? Like, I wish we only hit it when something really, really amazing happened. Because at one point it got a little bit annoying. It was like, bong, bong, you know? It's like, okay, 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 let's, let's take a break from the gong, you know? It says, that's what you're like, you know? Why? Because imagine somebody could speak all the languages on earth. Was somebody pretty intellectual? Somebody that knows a lot. And how many of you know someone who knows a lot, but they're annoying, well, that's the thing, you know, it, I'm not saying everybody that knows a lot is annoying, but it's saying if you have no love, then you're like a noisy gong, okay? If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith, faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Again, you know, we love the prophetic. We love the gifts of the Spirit. The Bible tells us right here in this same book, says, seek you know, that you may all prophesy. Seek the gifts of the Spirit. You know, Jesus talks about if you had faith like a mustard seed, you could move a mountain. 
And that's amazing. Like Jesus is saying this stuff, but it's saying right here, even if you could do that, but you have no love, it means nothing. It'd be nothing. Verse 3, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body. I mean, imagine clearing out your bank accounts right now. All retirement, savings, bonds, uh, what's that, you know, Bitcoin, everything. And you just give it all. Wow, that's amazing. It says, but if you have no love, it means nothing. It'd be nothing. If you gave your body, it'd be sacrificed and boast about it, but you didn't love others, you have gained nothing. And that's pretty crazy because it's referring to the, to the motivation and it's referring to the place from where we do this. Saying if it doesn't start in love, it means nothing. You've gained nothing. Which is why we, we emphasize so much like, yes, you should tithe. You should give. But if your heart isn't in the right place, it's not going to profit you anything. So hold back and don't do it. I mean, quickly change your mind, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what's the point? It's not going to benefit you. If there's no love, if you're not doing things from love, it profits you nothing. And so this just goes for everything we do in life. What, what means is everything you do should be from a place of love. Everything we do. You're going to help someone. You're going to pray for someone. You're going to do a ministry. You're going to... Uh, do a class, you're going to uh, go to work, you're going to buy your spouse flowers, whatever you do, do it from love. You work, how do you work from love? Well, you think about, you know, why you're doing this. You, if You're doing this to be the provider. You're doing this because you love your family, you know? Like, everything we do should be from a place of love. If you're going to say something to someone... It shouldn't be to get it off your chest. It should be out of a place of love. And if you can't say it from that place, then you probably shouldn't say it. Because it will profit you nothing. It will mean nothing. It will do nothing. <laughs> Sorry, inside joke. <laughs> um, verse, uh, verse 4. <laughs> Sorry, my wife and I, just, we just have this thing going on. You know, it's beautiful. <laughs> ah, verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Okay, so here we go describing what love is and how the characteristics of love. And I tell this to people that are going to get married all the time. I'm like, you know, love is not a feeling. Love is not the butterflies in your stomach. Love is not, you know, something comes and goes and waves. No, love is a choice. And so therefore, if Jesus is describing here how love is, what love is, then this means that that's what you need to be and do for that person. When you say, I love you, that means I'm patient towards you. I'm kind towards you. No, I'm just the kind of tough love. No. Love is kind. So speak kindly. Okay. Um, love is not rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. I mean, it's easy to get irritated with those that you love, right? But if you choose to love, then you also have to choose to not get irritated. Uh, some of you wish you hadn't come back yet. <clears throat> um, 
It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrong. Ah, this couldn't get worse. <laughs> it couldn't keep, it, it, love does not keep record of wrong. You know what that means? You can't say you always, you never, because if you choose to love, you choose to remove the record of wrongs. Man, Pastor, that's really tough. You don't know. You just don't know. That's amazing. But see, um, the, uh, God is love, you know. In, um, in 1 John chapter uh, 4, verse 7 and 8, you know, it keeps telling us one, once and again, so God is love. Like he is love, which means that he is all these things to us. Like he, all, everything that we're reading here, he is to you. He's patient with you. He's kind to you. He's not rude with you. He's, he doesn't get irritated with you. You know how easy it'd be to get irritated with? I mean, we get irritated so easily. God doesn't get irritated with you. And it says, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures or overcomes through every circumstance. And that's a promise right there. That if you keep your love on, it will endure through every circumstance. That's amazing. Love can overcome all things. What you got to do, just remain in love. Keep your love on. In order to do that, because see, it's a fruit of the Spirit. How do you produce fruit? Well, it's not hard to produce fruit. You know, a tree isn't sweating bullets to see if he's going to produce an orange. Like, it's just planted. And it produces orange. How many of you have one of those crazy orange-producing trees in your backyard? You know? And it's like you're calling people to haul them away, please. I have so many oranges. I don't know what to do with them, right? And you weren't worried about orange 253, like, is it going to make it or not? It just, it just came out. Right? And it does every year. Because under the right conditions, it just produces fruit. It's not hard to produce the fruit of the Spirit if we just take care of the right conditions of the soil, of the water, of the Spirit, right? Of getting light. That's it. Like, it's pretty basic. And then you just produce fruit. And the fruit looks like love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so in the same way, you know, uh, what does love look like? Well, you know, love looks very different than what the world describes. And so we need to know what God's definition of love is. Because in the world, love is like, I like you, you meet my needs, and I love you, you know. <laughs> just, you know, just don't misbehave, because then I won't love you. See, that's not love, you know. That's just manipulation. Love is a choice, and love is a person. Love can change everything because it's God. God is love. So it's a force. It's hard to describe love. And I'm only starting to make it complicated to understand, okay? By the end of this, you'll be like, yeah, I don't understand love. But it's because we can't understand God fully. Because that's God. God is love. Okay, 
But this is some, some of the things, right? It says, it doesn't rejoice in injustice, rejoice whenever truth wins out, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Now, what this is not saying, this is not saying that you have to put up with people's, you know, rudeness all the time. It tells you you can love them, but, you know, that's why you got to get that other book and learn about healthy boundaries, okay? Because loving people and loving your enemies doesn't mean come here, step on me all you want, poor me, I'm just a Christian, keep on kicking. No, that's not what it means at all. Are we okay? All right, I wanted to clarify that. Uh, And then if we go to verse, uh, right here in 1 Corinthians, uh, let's go to verse 13. At the very end it says, um, three things will last forever. Man, forever. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Do you think love is important? Should you learn how to love well? Right? We should learn, we should learn God's definition of love right here, right? You know, I tell people when they're going to get, get married, I'm like, you know, your spouse is not supposed to make you happy. If that's the reason you're getting married, don't get married. Because you will use her like, like a drug. Make you happy. When it doesn't make you happy, you're going to look for a different drug. So don't. You get married to serve the other person, to love the other person. And love is not love until it is given. Most people like love because they take. What it gives me. How it makes me feel. Yeah? Oh, my gosh. Um, okay, let's go to First uh, John chapter 4. We're going to read verse 7 8. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. That's why love is so powerful, because it's God. It's his presence. It's his anointing. Man, you know, love is so powerful. I love Heidi Baker's stories. Um, She's close to Chad Denman, who comes here a lot, and, and she goes to Africa. And she has seen so many children resurrected from dead. No pulse, just dead. Because she has such a love for them, and she will just hug them until they come back to life. She'll hug him and cry over them, and these kids come back to life. I I kid you not, they have hundreds of recorded resurrections. Power follows love. Love doesn't always follow power. Which explains why sometimes we see people in the body of Christ who are really powerful and really anointed and can do amazing things, but they're not very loving. And let me tell you something, they're not an example to follow. And that's what has messed up the body of Christ so much, that we see anointed people, powerful people doing great things for God, but they're not loving and they're not nice and they get easily irritated. And all those things that we just read right here, they're not. And so some people go like, oh, I need to be like them to flow in that kind of power. And let me tell you, that's wrong. That's not God. Those are just the gifts of the Spirit and gifts are irrevocable. They're not taken away. Are you with me? But power always follows love. You will have influence over what you love. That's why we can't... Oh, gosh, it's 
going to make some of you mad. You have no influence over your enemies if you don't love them. We have one enemy. Your adversary, the devil. One enemy. That's it. Even if people in a different political party think you're the enemy, remember, you don't have to correspond. You can go, "Mm, that's so sad. They need Jesus. We need to pray for them. We need to bless them. Oh, no, you're not going to come mess up my house. You're not going to come take my stuff. But I can keep my love on towards you, and I can bless you, and I can pray for you. Because then maybe I'll get an opportunity to influence your life. See, I told you, some of you are not going to like this. They think we're the enemy. We're not. They think we hate them. We don't. They call us haters, but we're not. It's just that truth speaks hate to those who hate truth. So every opportunity we get, we should just show them a big smile and a big hug, you know, like kind of like Buddy the Elf. If you watch that movie, like, come here, you need a hug. You look like you need a hug. No, no, no. you need a hug. We're not mad at them. We have one adversary, the devil. Now, do a lot of people operate under demonic spirits? And Yes, you can see the things they do and the things they say and the things they're trying to do. Obviously, they're very hurt people, very influenced by the devil. Okay. I'm glad you like that. So, um, God is loved. And then verse 16, 1 John 4, 16 says, We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. See, it's that simple. If you're walking in love, you're operating under the Spirit of God. If you're walking in the things that we just read right here in 1 Corinthians 13, you're walking in God's love. You're living in him. A lot of people are like, oh, think this is like very hard and spiritual to do, you know, to walk in the spirit and to, you know, and to be in the presence of God. It's telling you right here. If you live in love, you live in God and God lives in you. Verse 18 says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We're going to go back to that in a moment. It says, we love each other because they're nice to us. No, because they're like us. We love each other because they think like us. We love each other. No, none of those. We love each other because because God loved us first. Gosh, that's so simple, yet so hard, right? So it's saying you don't have to feel it. You don't have to, you know, it doesn't have to grow naturally. <laughs> you, don't, you love others because he loved you first, period. He loved us first. 
So stop looking for a reason to love, love someone because most likely you're looking for a reason not to love them, you know. But stop looking for a reason like, okay, I'm, I, have, okay I have to love them because they gave me a Christmas gift, so I have to love them now. No. It says we love each other because God loved us first. That's it. Okay. Love gives, love does. John 3.16, God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. And then verse 17 says, he did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world. So what should we be doing? Same thing, not condemning them, loving them. Jesus died so they would be saved. 1 Peter 4.8, this is uh, in the Amplified Version uh, this is what love does. It says, above all things, have intense and unfailing love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins or offenses. It forgives and disregards the offenses of others. Same thing says in Proverbs 10, 12. Let me tell you something. What is easier, to forgive and heal your heart and go through that whole process, or to have never gotten offended? Right? Never gotten offended. Let me tell you, it'd be a lot easier to have never gotten in this accident than having to go through the healing and the recovery and all that stuff. See how much pain and healing and time and energy you would save if you never got offended in the first place. Becoming unoffended. 2023, becoming unoffended bulletproof. It doesn't matter what you, sh- what you shoot at me. I'm not going to get offended. You know why? Because I don't want to have to go through that whole process I've already gone through with my parents and with all these people that I had to forgive. Like, man, thank God for that healing that I don't have to dwell in that the rest of my life. But I don't want to have to do it over and over every time, you know, somebody offends me intentionally or unintentionally. How about we test this here? No, I'm just kidding. Before you leave, you're going to offend five people. (laughs) Just kidding. That'll just happen. (laughs) See? Become unoffendable. Like, how much better is that? And how can you become unoffendable? Because if you're walking in love, love covers a multitude of sins. You know, the Bible also tells us um, that it is to the glory of one to overlook an offense. It is to your glory to overlook the offense. What would have made someone really mad, you just overlooked it. Like you're on your bike and you just went over it like a speed bump. Some people would have smashed into it like it was a 10-foot wall. But you just, you just went over it. Not going to take offense. Not going to take offense. That'd be pretty amazing. <laughs> right? Hmm, I'm going to become unoffendable. Actually, I, I'm pretty unoffendable. Because I've been working at this for a long time. And it's so much better. You know? You just turn the page. Have a conversation with someone else. Let it go. Become unoffendable. How? Because you just choose to love. I'm just going to love that person. You know? He is so rude. He is so irritating. She just, man, why? (laughs) But I'm going to choose to just love her, and I'm not going to take on offense. I'm going to choose to love him, 
not going to take an offense. How much easier would it be, huh? It's possible. It's the love of God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, in the, um, in the Amplified Version, says, There's no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out, the, out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love. See, this is so interesting because it's telling us that we can grow in love. It's not like you have it or you don't have it. No, you can grow in love, you can mature in love, and you can reach a, what it says right here after, it's not yet grown into love's complete perfection. In other words, you can grow into the perfection of love, even if you're just starting to try this love thing. That's very encouraging. Because you can't say, well, you know, I've tried and it doesn't work. No, it's something you can grow in and get better at. I'm telling you, after 14, 15 years of pastoring, maybe 16 now, I don't know, uh, you have to get, I mean, I see why pastors quit. (laughs) You know that most pastors don't last past like five years? Most of them are looking forward to retirement. We're not. We really love you. And we like you, which is even better. See, because we have to love our enemies, but we don't have to like our enemies. When Jose says, like, we really love you, we really do love you, you know? And I'm not saying, like, you know, like, it's, like, really hard to love you, and I'm not saying that. But over the years, like, you know, the more you... You, you're around people and you have relationships and people come in and out of your life and sometimes they think like you're just a Walmart, you know, and they treat you like a Walmart and it's like, no, okay, bye, you know. Like, you have to learn how to love people otherwise your heart starts getting really callous and you start shutting down because the easier thing to do is just to close your heart and never truly, deeply love again. Let me tell you, that's a lot easier. But also... In the same token, that same door also keeps you away from ever experiencing true, meaningful love and relationships. And God created us for that. So the option is learn how to love well, learn how to remain unoffended, and in the very case that someone really hurts you, learn how to forgive and heal your heart. In other words, grow up. (laughs) We all have to do it at some point, right? I mean, I don't want the same drama in my life that I had 20 years ago. I don't want that. Or even just last year. You don't want that. Right? People are going to disappoint. People are going to hurt. And so how do I become unoffended? You know? And in the case I have to, you know, there's things that are out of our control. People are going to hurt you sometimes intentionally. Because we can't control them. And so just learn how to forgive and learn how to heal your heart and have another friend. <laughs> right? I know, this is not an easy subject, right? But, um, <clears throat> but love covers a multitude of sins. And then uh, we can reach full maturity of love. We can, we can uh, let love have a complete perfection in us. And then this other part right here, it says that love casts out fear. Let me tell you this. When love moves in, fear moves out. Say it with me. When love moves in, fear moves out. 
It's kind of light and darkness. When light comes in, darkness cannot remain, right? Remember, these things are part of our, our biblical prayer, right? Because when light comes in, it shines and exposes anything that was hidden. And when love comes in, fear has to go out. So we ask the Lord to fill us with his love. See, there's areas of our life where we don't feel comfortable with God, and those are also areas of our life where we don't feel comfortable with love. And in those areas of our life, we need the love of God to flood us so that any fear that is influencing that area would just, what? Run away, move out. <clears throat> Go with me uh, to... Ephesians chapter 3. Are you getting something out of this today? When love moves in, fear moves out. Um, go to Ephesians 3, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read to you Mark 12, 29 real quick. It says, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord... Our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Okay, so they had made up about 630 commandments after the law of Moses, and now Jesus comes and he's like, listen, it's very easy. Love God and love others like yourself. Love God. And love your neighbor as yourself. No other greater commandment, right? We just read in 1 Corinthians, the three of these will last forever. And the greatest of these is love. And Jesus comes and says, love God first and foremost. He wants to be first in our life. He deserves no less. And number two, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what I call the twofer commander, commandment. The twofer commandment. Because it's two in one. Or it's two with the reference or the standard of another. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, you can't love your neighbor any more than you love yourself. And I'm not talking about a narcissistic, narcissistic um, selfie taker, self-absorbed person who can't stop, you know, just being completely self-centered. I'm not, I'm not talking about that, Okay. I'm not talking about uh, uh, compulsive selfie takers. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone who truly loves themselves how God loves them and who is loving themselves like 1 Corinthians 13 tells to love yourself. Because it's impossible to give what you don't have. So if you haven't received the love of God, you can't give the love of God. And if you've received the love of God, then you would love yourself because you would see how much God loves you. Oh, God, I hope you're paying attention. This is so important. See, um, love your neighbor as yourself. Like, how hard is it for you to say that you love yourself? You know, how many times you just wake up and you look in the mirror, you go, oh, you again, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. I learned this a long time ago because if I don't know how to love myself, it's really hard to genuinely love others. So I learned to love myself. And guess what? I found out that I like me a lot too. And I'm not saying this as a like, oh, pastor is so self-centered. No, no, no. But I love me. <laughs> Try it. Go ahead. Say it. I love me. 
How many of you are super uncomfortable right now? <laughs> See, it's so much easier to talk bad about ourselves. It's so much easier to, to be irritated on ourselves. It's so much easier to be rude to ourselves. But you're breaking the main commandment that Jesus gave because you're doing all the things that 1 Corinthians says not to do towards yourself. And then you go and you say you love others. Let me tell you, fake You have to love yourself. God loved you first. Why wouldn't you love yourself? Do you have a higher opinion of God? Do you know something he doesn't? <laughs> right? We feel uncomfortable when somebody loves us more than we value ourselves. And we tend to run when that happens. Which is why sometimes people don't stick around very long. Because we truly love people. But if somebody, somebody loves you over how much you love and value yourself, you will automatically reject them because you don't feel worthy enough. You don't feel worthy enough. So what area of your life you're uncomfortable with love, same area, you're probably uncomfortable with God in that area of your life. And that's the places you need to invite the love of God to fully come. See, when you get saved, you experience the love of God to a certain degree right? You, you learn the message of salvation. You learn the message of the cross. And, and you're like, wow, he loved me to save me, to forgive my sins. And that you're experiencing a gift and it's a form of love, right? That you give your life to him. You open your life to him and you start in this walk with him. And in this walk, you start to learn how he sees you. And you start to understand why he paid such a high price for you. Problem is when we fall into religious ways that speak negatively and speak down to us about us that say, no, you're just, you know, a lowly sinner servant. You're lucky to ever get in heaven. So behave. Right. And when we get in these kinds of mindsets, we keep ourselves, our value and our identity low. So there's no way we could ever love ourselves like God loves us. Therefore, we're always in competition mode than everybody else. So I can't give too much love because then what about me? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's so important to him. Try it again. I love me. You got to practice this, man. You guys, <laughs> some of you are bad at this stuff. Why do you, you got to understand, why do you love yourself? Because he loved you first. His opinion is the highest form of truth there is. Let's finish up with Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, who, I'm, why am I lying? Ephesians, and then we're going to Matthew. So, <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Um, it says, Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. See, our roots, we need to be rooted and grounded in his love. And it says, and may you have the power, say with me, power to understand. Okay? Um, 
what are we going to understand here that we need power for it? Like, there's a lot of things we can understand with our logical mind that we don't need power to understand them. Are you with me? But right here it tells us, may you have the power to understand, and then it goes on to say this, as all God's people should. So he's saying, you need to understand, and you should understand this. Okay. It says, how wide? Go with me, how wide? How long? How How high? And how deep? Okay. How wide? Think of wide. How long? Think of long. How high? And then how deep? What's happening here? I'm having a hard time with all these. I'm going to tell you why. Because we live in a three-dimensional world, and right here he's, he's describing four dimensions. We don't understand four dimensions. We only understand three. How wide? How long? How high? And where do you go deep? Do you see what I'm saying? That's why it says, may you have the power to understand, because you can't really understand this. This is kind of hard to understand. Because it's a four-dimensional or multiple-dimensional type of love that we just don't get. And then it says, May you experience, say with me, experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Experience trumps understanding. Okay? So it's saying, may you have power to understand this multidimensional love. You only live in three, so you can't understand the fourth one or all the other ones. Said, but at the end of the day, may you experience it because it is too great to understand it. In other words, experience will always trump understanding. We want understanding. The Bible tries to give us understanding, but there is things about God and about his love and his depth and his dimensions that we will never understand until we experience them only. That's it. There's no other way except to experience it, which is why we're building a place where people can encounter God because there's things in those encounters that will never be able to understand with their mind. And that's one of them. It's his love. It's that he is love. It's that force that we don't understand. It's like you share someone about the love of God, but it's not like you could just pull it out and be like, look, here it is. Here's 10 steps for the love of God. It isn't. When somebody invites Jesus in their heart, they experience the love of God, which is God himself, and moves in, and their life is transforming. You're just watching them. You're like, I, I can't explain this. Are you with me? And so... How many people had experiences last year during encounters that you're just still processing? You can't understand what happened. You can't explain what happened. You just experienced something. Stop trying to write it down and to make a formula out of it. You can't. You can't. You can't have a hold on everything. There's some things that we will understand that God gives understand. I, there's mysteries, deep things that he will download to us. But it's saying his love, okay. May you, under, may you experience it because it's too great to understand. He's amazing. He's so amazing. 
that he would share this with us. It says, then you will be made complete. <gasps> then you will be made complete. That's where religion could never complete us. Because there is no experience of his love in just religion and plain paper. There's no experience of his love. But when you experience the love of God, you're, been, you're made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. It's all connected to what? His love. His love. And so since I've only given you an introduction to the love of God because it is too great to comprehend, I want us to have, I want to pray and I want us to have an opportunity to receive the love of God. Because, see, to receive the love of God, um, you might be saved. You're already saved. You know, most of you have received Jesus in your heart and you've experienced some of his love. But it says we grow in his love, right? We're, being, we're perfected in his love. We're, we, we, we're, uh, we, we get more mature in his love. But it is through the experience of receiving his love that we can actually have something to give. Because it's not knowledge and it's not understanding. It's an experience. And you can't give an experience that you don't have when you are even having a hard time loving your, yourself. And so just close your eyes with me. I'm going to lead you through this exercise of this prayer. And the love of God is going to flood your heart. Because like I said, there's areas in our life where we, have, where we feel uncomfortable with the love of God. And if you don't receive the love of God like, like a child, like a son, like a daughter then you're going to reject anyone else who loves you too much for your own comfort. You will auto-sabotage your own relationships when somebody loves you or values you more than you value yourself. Which is why we need the love of God because that's the greatest love and the greatest value we could ever have about ourselves. And then nobody else could make us feel uncomfortable with his love or with their kind of love. 